You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. has been a wonderful series, but it has been a convicting series. I, I don't know about you, but as I dig into each one of these prayers, uh, it's, it's been hard and it's been convicting. And, and so as we looked at this week's prayer, cleanse me, I, I want to start off with this question that's going to come on screen. Who's the hardest person to forgive? Yourself. <laughs> You know, there's a wide variety of answers that you'll get with that question. Some would say people who abuse children are hard to forgive. If you've been betrayed in a relationship, that's hard to to forgive. You think about people who have committed murder or committed mass violence. uh, It's hard to forgive those people. I I was asking my kids today on on the way uh, to church, and they said, yeah, it's really hard for us to Forgive people such as Hitler and and these people who have just done these terrible, terrible things. But when I think about it, uh, and and I think some of you in this room, you probably fall into the same category. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is ourself. We'll, we'll, We'll forgive someone else that's hurt us, but sometimes it's really, really difficult for us to forgive ourselves. To say, wow, I blew it, I knew better, I shouldn't have done this. And we kind of carry this guilt and we carry this shame. And even though we're like, we know that God's forgiven us, for whatever reason, we feel like we just have to keep on beating ourselves up. Kind of like a hammer with a nail. In, in Psalm chapter 51 that we're going to, to be looking at, and, and we've been in a series for our guests called Dangerous Prayers. And we've been talking about not just praying the safe prayers of protect me, help me, heal me, Those are good prayers, but we've been asking you to pray these dangerous prayers, these these prayers that put us kind of in the deep end of the water, these prayers that make us a little uncomfortable. And that prayer that we're looking at today will make some of you feel uncomfortable. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart. Uh, I I memorized it this way, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit or a a steadfast spirit within me. David is writing this psalm, and if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to 2 Samuel 11 and 12, because that's the background to this psalm. And let me kind of give it to you in a nutshell. It's the time that normally kings would go out to war, but David didn't go out to war. Instead, he stayed at his palace, and one day he walks out, on top of his rooftop, and I just kind of get this picture, he's just kind of hanging out, and he's looking over everything, and and maybe he's thinking, man, it's good to be king. And, And when he looks out, he sees a lady bathing, a lady named Bathsheba. And here she is, she's actually having a ceremonial bathing ritual, that's being done. And we got to remember that there wasn't indoor plumbing at that point in time. 
We don't know where she's located. She could have been in a courtyard. She could have been in a room with a large window. But David's at, the, at a high point. He's on top of his roof. He can see her, and he says, wow, she is beautiful. And so then, not only is she beautiful, but he sends a messenger to go and get her. I'm like, hey, David, this is one of your warrior's wife. But David's not really paying attention to the warning signs there. And so what does he do? She brings Bathsheba there, and he commits adultery. And by committing adultery, this actually could have made her die. I mean, it's a serious issue. And then it just so happens that she gets pregnant. Instead of being convicted of his sin at this point in time, of coming clean and saying, hey, I blew it, I messed up, what does David do? He tries to cover it up. He says, hey, my mighty warrior Uriah, come on back home. Go spend some time with your wife. And he's going to try to make it look like that he was the father to this child. But Uriah was so loyal that he would not spend overnight with his wife. He would literally sleep on the doorstep. So this plan doesn't work to cover up David's sin. So what does David do next? He actually orders him to, for the troops to fall back from him, basically to be murdered. So Uriah, and not only Uriah, but some of his men die as well. And it kind of looks like David's going to get by with this. Sometimes we feel like we can get by with our sin as well. And then Nathan the prophet comes up to him. Nathan the prophet comes and tells him a story. He says there's a rich man with lots of stuff, lots of lambs, and there's a poor man that only has one little lamb. A visitor comes into town, and they're going to make a sacrifice, and... And the rich man takes the poor man's lamb, his only lamb, and he takes it away from him. Well, David hears the story, and he's angry. He was like, oh, this is so wrong. This is not right. That man needs to pay four times the amount, and he needs to be put to death. And then Nathan says, you are the man. Can you imagine if you were a fly on the wall at that point in time? what David was thinking, what he was feeling. He, I think he thought he got by with covering up everything that he had done. And then all of a sudden, his sin is brought out into the open. Can you hear people whispering about him at this point in time? People saying things about him? He's blown it. His sin's out in the open. And now we're going to see that he has to have some consequences. This, this child that he has becomes ill and dies. And now we get some insight into Psalm 51, which you're going to see some of the verses come up on screen, just some that I've highlighted. Verse 1, he's crying out for mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out, erase the stain of sin. He, it's almost like he feels like he's wearing dirty clothes. He, he knows that he's messed up. 
Wash me clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone, I've sinned. He recognizes that he has sinned against God. I've done what is evil in your sight. Verse 7, purify my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. He, he has this desire to get rid of the guilt, to get rid of everything that, that he's been carrying around. He's convicted of his sin. He's moving toward repentance. Verse 9, don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the, the what? The stain of my guilt. Verse 10, a verse that we're going to continue to sing over and over today. Create in me a, a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves, and then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. What we see throughout Psalm 51, that this desire, this desire to become clean, to, to remove the guilt, he realizes he's, he's blown it. And, and some of you this morning, you can relate to David. You've messed up in some way, and maybe God brought you here today just to hear this message. Maybe you've messed up, and maybe people know about it, and you feel the guilt, and you feel the stain of it, and you're embarrassed. And as you walk around, you're just carrying all of this guilt and this shame with you, and maybe people have even whispered about you. And you're here, and you, you're just overwhelmed. And maybe you feel a little bit like David here in this this passage. Now, some of you, you may say, well, you know, I sin a little bit, but I'm not like David. I mean, I haven't committed adultery. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't murdered someone. I, I just sin a little bit. I just gossip a little bit. I just lust a little bit. I just worry a little bit. I just get angry a little bit, especially when I'm driving. It's not that big a deal. Isn't that how sin starts? It starts off small, and then sometimes it grows, and domino effect takes place. I love what Eugene Peterson said. David didn't feel like a sinner when he sent for Bathsheba. He felt like a lover. And what can be better than that? David didn't feel like a sinner when he sent for Uriah. He felt like a king. What can be better than that? Just because we don't feel like our sin is a big deal, it really creates a mess. And it becomes a big deal. We, we come to Psalm 51, and, and really this is a story of sin, but it goes beyond being a story of sin. If you look in the psalm, you'll actually see there's only four words that he actually uses for sin. But there's 19 words that he uses for God's grace and forgiveness and his restoration. And it starts off this way, creating me a clean heart, 
And if you remember in, in week one in this series, we talked about search my heart, O oh God. The, the heart is so important. It's the center of a person. I love what Jonathan Parnell said. The heart is the bullseye of who we are. It's the control panel to our system. It matters so much. There's so many scriptures that, that talk about the heart in the Bible. You're going to see a few of them up on screen right now. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your what? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines your course of life. Guard your heart. we got to be prepared because there's going to be things that's going to try to lead your heart astray. Matthew 12, 34. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what's good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. The, the things that come out of our mouth is a reflection of our heart. And, and, and some of you, you have really good hearts. You, you, there's some really good things happening in your life. Man, you're digging into God's Word. You're studying God's Word. You're even reading through numbers, even when it's boring, and there's things there that you don't understand. You even got through Leviticus in our Bible reading plan. You're still going, and, and, and there's some really positive things. You're praying po big, uh, dangerous prayers. Some of you are fasting, and some of you are serving, and some of you are making some wise choices in your life, and, and your heart's leading you down a great path. But our heart also can be pretty messy at times. It can be deceitful. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw what the weakness of man was, in, was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What we, we wonder why some bad things happen in our country and around the world. It's because it starts right here. There's evil in the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is what? Is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. And who can understand it? See, when the heart is right, great things happen. When it's filled with God's Spirit, we see the fruits of the Spirit take place in our life. But the heart can also be filled with deceit and evil. And, and we see David, David knew this. David did a lot of good things in his life. But he also blew it. And he realized as great as he was, as great as he was, that Satan could go after him and tempt him. Let, let, me, let me demonstrate the heart this way for you. I, I love what Christopher Ash did. He, he actually had this illustration. Oh, he says, imagine if you had a cup. And this cup was filled with water. And you shook this cup and water came out. Well, what caused the water to come out? Shaking it, right? But there's another aspect to, to that. There's another answer to that question. It's because of what's in the cup. There was water in the cup. That's why water came out, right? If there wasn't water in the cup, it wouldn't have come out. Now, our natural response is, hey, you shook the cup. That's what caused it. And so many times in our life, we get tempted. We get shook. 
And, and, and that leads us, we say, oh, you know, it's because I was tired, I was stressed out. Uh, I, I was sick, and that led me to overeating, that led me to worrying, that led me to, to lusting, that led me to you fill in the blank of whatever sin you have in your life. And it's because I was, I was shaken, I had pressure on me, that's what caused it. And, and maybe David said, well, God, you know, um, you know, I was just hanging out there on top of the roof, and and you know, there was just a beautiful woman there. I mean, it just happened. I mean, you know, if you didn't put that beautiful woman there, I wouldn't have done all of these things. That could have been very easily his excuse. But in reality, in reality, what was in David's heart, what was in David's heart was lust. And what was in David's heart was actually pride as he tried to, to hide his sin. What was in his heart was murder, selfishness, as he continued to murder Bathsheba's husband. See, it matters what's in our heart. What's in our heart, it's going to be displayed. And that's why we have to guard it. Notice here that David prays, create, don't just readjust my heart. That's the first verb in verse 10. It's also the first verb in the Bible, in the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. David didn't just say, readjust, refocus. He says, I need a new heart. I need a new heart. My heart is dirty. My heart is stained. My heart is messed up. And some of you, you may be thinking, well, I prayed that prayer when, when I accepted Christ. But I don't think this is just a one-time prayer. I don't think it's a prayer just after we've blown it. I think it's a prayer that we pray every day. God, create in me a pure heart, a new heart, a heart that's sold out for you, a heart that helps me think about heavenly things, a heart that helps me focus on you. And sometimes I start off well in the morning. Man, I'm reading the Bible. I'm doing this. And then by the end of the day, it's like Satan has shot an arrows out at me. And man, my heart is a little messed up. It's a little disturbed. It's a little dirty. And I have to go to God and say, God, help me to be focused on you, not on all these other things. Notice also that David prays, God fix who? Me first. Well, that sounds kind of selfish, doesn't it? How many times have we prayed that, for God to fix us? So many times when we're going through hard times, we pray that God changes the other people that's causing problems in our life. God, change the circumstances in my life. Instead of asking God to change our attitudes and our thought process. Have you ever noticed someone that goes from job to job to job? And, and, and then they, they always have, a lot of people, not always, but a lot of people will say this. Well, I couldn't get along with my boss, and I can't get along with my coworkers, and I, couldn't, I didn't like this, and I didn't like that. And it was always someone else's fault. Did you notice there's a common denominator there? It's that person. And sometimes I think we do the same thing. I think we kind of complain about all of these things. And God says, hey, it's not your circumstances. Yes, sometimes life is not fun. Sometimes it's tough. But God wants to change us first. And we're going to let him renew our spirit. We'll help us become loyal to him. Help us to focus on him 
more than anything else. You know, I, I started off by saying the hardest person, the hardest person to forgive is ourself. And I think David realized that, but he came to a point that he confessed his sin and he let God have it. And he said, God, here's my sin. I repent and I want to be more like you. And God restored him. God restored him. He, David ended up, David and Bathsheba ended up having another son, a son that asked for wisdom, a guy named Solomon. If you fast forward to Acts 13, 22 to 20 and 23, it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, what? A man after my own heart. This man who committed this terrible set of sins, who made a mess, to this day is known after a man after God's own heart. He'll do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King and it and it is one of King David's descendants. Who? Jesus. Who God promised the Savior of Israel. God restored David. God doesn't want us to be defined by our mistakes, our, the things that we do, what he wants us to do, wants, wants us to remember, is he wants us to be defined by grace, by his grace. He wants us to be defined by the cross. And at the cross, we can come, and we can say, God, I've messed up, I've blown it. And what Jesus says is, I died for your sin.
My, my blood was shed for you. I died and rose again, and I gave you eternal life. In a few minutes, our, our team is going to start coming forward, and we're going to have our time of invitation. But some of you this morning, you've been holding on to your guilt and to your shame. And God invites you to come and let go. He invites you to come and let go and say, hey, the cross is enough. My blood was shed for your sin. Don't keep on beating yourself up. Let it go. We have a God of mercy and grace. And so quit taking the hammer and quit banging the nail on you over and over. Let go. There may be some consequences. You may feel some pain when you commit certain sins. But God wants you to let go. For some of you, I want to encourage you to come forward and put Jesus Christ number one in your life. Some of you, maybe you want to join this church body, that we encourage you to pray dangerous prayers, to become more like Jesus Christ each and every day. For some of you, maybe you want to just come and have someone pray over you. You're going through some difficult times. It seems overwhelming. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a relationship concern. Maybe it's grief. Maybe you're just dealing with some sin in your life and you don't even, even need to tell us. You just say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm going through a difficult season. We're going to have people at the front and the back. And then some of you, some of you, you've, you've heard us talk about baptism over and over again. And, and you, you, you've heard that message of how Jesus Christ died on the cross, how he rose again, how he was baptized, and he wants us to be baptized. You've heard us talk about Acts 2.38, to repent and to be baptized, to turn from our ways. This morning, we have one sister, Letty, right here. Would you stand with me real quick? I know I'm calling you on the spot. I'm embarrassing her a little bit. But she came to me, I guess it was three or four weeks ago. And she said, Ronnie, I've been coming here for over a year. And she said, I just, I've just been wanting to become more like Jesus Christ. And I've just sat here and I've learned and I've learned. She was a Jehovah Witness for several years, if I remember correctly. And she became, she just began searching and she began looking and she began reading God's word. And a family member invited her to come. The power of an invitation. And this morning, she's going to get baptized in a few minutes. And we're going to rejoice with her. And I can tell you, she has this little notebook, and she just writes down all the little gems that, to help her grow spiritually. So in, in just a few moments, I'm going to send her back. But there might be others out here that's ready to make that decision. The baptistry is warm. I got here, made sure it was filled up, and it's warm. Let's have more than one baptism. Would you stand and sing?
Wasn't that awesome? Amen. 
Let me make one quick announcement tonight. We will have Connect for our teenagers. There is not Awanas and there are not adult classes, but Connect for our teenagers at five o'clock. I'm going to pray, and this prayer includes for the meal that we're about to partake, okay? And so uh, afterwards, we want you to head down to Aggie Park. Uh, you will uh, go into the right-hand side, past all the cookies that we have for the cookie contest, the cookie bake-off. You'll pass those, and you'll pass the stage. You'll see some of the verbal auction items. And then you'll actually see the line where we'll have Chick-fil-A and mac and cheese and all kinds of other good stuff. To the left-hand side is a silent auction. You'll see kind of a time frame on your table. But we encourage you to come down and just enjoy the fellowship, enjoy uh, the time that we're going to be eating, and as we raise funds uh, for our kids' programming. So let me pray for the food. Am I missing anything else, Monica? Well, you said it all, but I have something that I want to say to you. And oh, maybe you I guys can help me. Happy birthday to you. Can I just tell you, and I, and I tell you this often, but I, re I truly mean it, uh, you guys are just the best. I mean, I, I believe that we have the best church family in town, and, and you guys mean the world to me. And you are my family, and, and I love you so much. Let me pray, and then we'll keep on uh, going down to Aggie Park. Father, uh, I just thank you uh, for your incredible love and your incredible grace. I, I thank you for forgiving us, even though we don't deserve it. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, dying on that cross for us and shedding his blood and arising again and giving us eternal life. We, we thank you that, that you've cleansed us, that you've made us whiter than snow, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what you've done. Lord, I just pray that you would do, or help anyone right now that might be dealing with the stain, with the guilt of sin, and, and to let that go. Lord, I pray that you would bless the meal that we're about to eat uh, and, and this fundraiser uh, that's going toward our children's ministry. I pray that that will honor you. In your precious holy name, amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song, and then we'll be dismissed over next door. So come and be shameless. Come and be fearless. Come to the Lord.